I know this isn't about health and cooking, but I really wanted to share that I just listened to another episode of the statistic podcast, More or Less, and they had a really interesting story. So there was an article written, and I believe that it was written by the author of a book that contained this same piece of information, that said that married women are unhappy when their partner is in the room with them, or isn't in the room with them, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, it was an interesting story because what they found out is that the person who wrote that study and included that in his book actually misunderstood the data. It said uh, the question, um, the questions that were asked included the data point that the spouse wasn't around and he assumed it meant the spouse wasn't in the room when they were asked the question when what the question really meant was the spouse was either deployed or working in a different city or for some reason living in a different um, place than the, you know, than his wife. So anyway, one of the things I love about that show is they corrected that, you know, they brought it to people's attention and they, uh, led to the guy fixing the article and he says he's going to fix the information in his book too. There's another part of that story that talks about statistics where I guess that a government member made a claim and threw around the number 80% and there was no data behind it. The actual data shows only 34%, not 80 So anyway, if you like statistics at all and it's the strangest thing because I don't think of myself as some kind of, you know, statistic nerd. But it's really fascinating to me how many things are based on statistics and, like anything else, how easily they can be skewed or misunderstood or assumed and how people deal with it when the actual numbers don't match their preconceived notions. So... Uh, That podcast is called More or Less. It's the same one that I've mentioned in the past, and I hope that you check it out. Welcome to Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm Liren. It's Cooking and Health Monday. My little granddaughter is doing some speech classes on Mondays and Wednesdays for the month of June. So Mondays, I took off work and I am taking her to her speech class. It leaves me an hour and a half to myself to just sort of think or play mindless games or listen to podcasts. (laughs) Of course, you know I'm doing a bit of that. But today, I found myself sitting here playing a mindless game, listening to music, and just thinking about what I was going to share on today's podcast. To start with... I got some wonderful fresh cauliflower at the farmer's market yesterday, so last night I cut it all up and put it in my instant pot with a big old tablespoon of better than bullion. My husband also cut up some onions that I got at the market to put in there, so I have high hopes for that soup. I didn't try it because it was pretty late by the time I put it in the instant pot, but my older son ate a bowl and said it was excellent, so I look forward to having some for dinner tonight. Hopefully the boys don't eat it all before we even get home. Health-wise, I have been really pretty inattentive to myself lately. I have a terrible habit at night at bedtime of binging a bunch of chocolate. Chocolate is definitely my weakness, and for some reason, when I'm 
in that quiet time before bed, when there's nothing else I should be doing, I find myself just craving chocolate. I think the answer is going to have to be that I just don't have it in my house until I break that craving because if I have it at all, I can literally not touch it all day long. I don't even want it really all day long, but at night I overindulge. So, hmm, going to have to work on that one. We've been trying to get my younger son to engage more in things around the house, like doing the dishes or doing things without us having to ask him all the time. And that hasn't met with a ton of success. It seems that his idea of doing dishes involves doing about half of the dishes and then walking away and not returning. So that has made for some interesting conflicts. (laughs) You know, every time he eats something that requires a dish, I remind him that someone had to wash that dish for him to use it. And while I try not to be obnoxious about it, there are certainly times when that is a struggle. When I just want to look at him and say, what exactly would you do right now if your dad hadn't washed dishes? I've been washing dishes too, especially when I cook. I try very hard to do the dishes so that no one else has to deal with my mess. Sometimes that's a challenge in the instant pot, though, because if the sink is already full of dishes, we don't have a very big sink. So it becomes you have to do that sink full of dishes, and then you can wash the instant pot. And I find that even if I do that sink of dishes, I often don't go back and do the instant pot. I try not to do that, but nobody's perfect. (laughs) So I don't know, I might throw another batch of yogurt in tonight. You know, few things are more delicious than fresh yogurt. I really need to eat more yogurt with fruit. When I make yogurt for myself, I tend to put uh, cocoa powder that's from Costco. It's, it's not bitter at all. It isn't as processed as actual cocoa powder. And uh, powdered peanut butter, which, I, you know, it's not like powdered peanut butter is terrible for me. But then I put some agave syrup in there to sweeten it. It's certainly way less sugar than is in flavored yogurt that you purchase, but I think I'm going to really try to start eating yogurt with fruit and see if I can develop a better taste for it. I received some interesting responses to my Thursday episode where I was talking about civil discourse and listening through filters and trying to be a member of community. And uh, this first one is from Colin over at Spike Pit. Hi Lou, and it's Colin here. Just calling in to say I really enjoyed your Thursday thoughts. I'm trying to get some work done in the rain, earn a few quid. And uh, yeah, that's not going so well, but you're, you're really keeping my spirits up and giving me food for thought with your uh, words of wisdom and interesting thoughts on filters i think they're so important and their influence on a conversation cannot be understated really not something i've given a huge amount of thought to but i think it's a very useful concept or or way to think about things this this filtering out or filtering in things you do or don't want to hear um Yeah, really well put, and I look forward to hearing what you've got to say today, later on, perhaps on Friday. Take care. Catch you later. 
having been a member of a community that was essentially destroyed by one person coming in and interpreting things through their own filters and then convincing a bunch of other people that their filters were the correct ones, I know it can be really painful when there's a community that you really care about and someone steps in and they don't just make a ripple, they make a riptide. So I feel for you, Colin. You know, it seems like the community of people who put on that conference and the regular people who go to it have, a, you know, their heart is in the right place and they really care about it. And the fact that that story ran really affected that community. And I'm just sorry it happened that way. I mean, I often at this point now think to myself whenever I hear anything that I wonder what it would be if I knew the whole story or what else was going on or what all of the involved parties were thinking. I don't know, but, but I definitely, this, you know, that event definitely left me thinking that. And it left me thinking about how much one person's interpretation of something can just, I mean, cause a wake behind them that disturbs the entire pool, you know? All right, I am stretching analogies left and right here. So, all right, let's move on to the feedback that I got from Froth. Hey, Lyra, and it's Froth listening to you talk about civil discourse or the lack thereof. Uh, it reminded me of something I was just thinking about earlier today about how we seem to have lost the the art of empathy if we ever had it in the first place. And it was reminding me of a author, one of my favorite authors, Robert Anton Wilson, who talks a lot about people being locked in their own reality tunnels, as he calls them, and uh, being caught in these patterns of habitual reactions, patterns of thinkings of things. And uh, he actually said that uh, belief is the death of intelligence. which I think was paraphrased on a Game of Thrones episode. So, Things I was thinking about listening to you talk. See ya. Hey, Froth. You know, you bring up a couple of very interesting points. I just the other day, maybe yesterday, the day before, read an article about how empathy makes people cruel, and I thought, what on earth? And I read through the article, and what it was essentially about was the fact that when we feel empathy for someone... If somebody hurts the person that we feel empathy for, we can be much more willing to allow or inflict retribution. I thought that was a really interesting point. I'll have to find that article and put a link up on MeWe because when I read it, I I really wanted to be like, no, that's not true. But I can see the premise that they're basing it on. Uh, You know, essentially, sometimes I think that discussions like this suffer from the, you know, the whole labeling phenomenon. I know what you mean. I mean, I feel the same way about empathy because to me, empathy is about uh, being able to consider the feelings of someone else, whether or not I agree with them, simply based on the feelings that they're experiencing. Uh, But I don't, you know, I think the point of the article was that if you have empathy for one party, but you don't have empathy for the other, then you can be even more 
pro-retribution for the person you don't have empathy for than if you had no empathy for either party. So, I mean, that actually kind of makes sense. The problem happens when there's no effort to have empathy for the other party. So, uh... In the case of what Colin was talking about, having empathy for the person who was at the table, also having empathy for the GM who was running the game. And and I'm sure there are people in this world who would inflict discomfort on someone and get a kick out of it. Certainly I have met people like that, but it sure doesn't sound like that's what happened here. Um, I don't know, you know, at this point, uh, I just, I haven't looked up any further evidence. We had a crazy busy weekend so I haven't looked into it any further. I'm not sure, but I definitely understand what you're saying about empathy because part of it is just remembering, you know, like I said in my episode, that we're all part of the same community of humans, right? So so we can hate people or disagree with people or whatever we want to do, but in the end, having some caring for all of the people in our community, I, I, I fail to see how that doesn't involve some benefit. Um, also, Oh my gosh, do I love that quote. You know, (laughs) I have long thought that the biggest problem uh, that America has is lack of critical thinking. I mean, where would this country be if critical thinking and comparative religion were required courses for school graduation or, you know, some sort of certification or something? I, I just, I can't. I can see why they aren't because I can see why people who are entrenched in things that are against critical thinking or are against comparative religion that looks at other religions as having any kind of intrinsic value would absolutely hate that idea because, you know, um, if you are not taught that critical thinking is a good thing, then it's a scary thing and people who do it are bad people. So I don't know. I just that was fascinating. And ever since I listened to your message, that has just randomly run through my head. Belief is the death of intelligence. I mean, really, that has run through my head a lot. You know, I frequently, uh, when I talk to my younger son, who's on the autism spectrum, when I, whenever I talk to him about issues that involve religion, he cannot grok religion. I mean, to him, he, he can't figure out why on earth anyone would believe that the words in the Bible are the words of some mythical God and then write those words down. Like, why would anybody believe that God's the one who actually said them and all this other stuff? And I try to explain to him how people believe that and, you know, what their thought process around it is. But, uh, you know, I, I have always felt like whatever religious or spiritual beliefs I have, if there aren't facts around them, then they're really just my little blankie, my security blanket. And when I was young, I had a blankie. Oh my goodness, did I love that thing. And I took it everywhere with me and I wanted it with me at all times. And when I rubbed it against my face, I felt warm and safe. And I love the fact that there is a spirituality path that gives me that same feeling, but I recognize it for what it is. So I don't really feel the need to force it on everyone else. I can't remember if I've said this elsewhere before. I'm kind of scattered today. We had kind of a hectic weekend up and down and and, um, anyway, so I, whenever I talk to him about it, I tell him that I think it's healthy for humans to have a blankie. I think it's really healthy for us to 
find something and with which we can comfort ourselves when we are faced with a great unknown. You know, human beings are not really wired for unknowns. We're wired to try to solve them, right? But in the big picture, I try super hard not to judge people for whatever security blanket they use. It's when they start trying to force me under theirs that I have an issue. Or when they start saying that anyone who isn't under their security blanket is not to be trusted. Because then we're to us versus them thinking, right? So anyway, oh goodness. All right. Thank you very much for that comment, Froth. I appreciate it. I appreciate the food for thought. I haven't talked to my son about that quote because I think he might throw it at people far too easily. I don't know. I need to look up some work from that author that you mentioned. So I don't watch Game of Thrones because I'm a big squishy baby. You know, I think I've mentioned before, I'm just a fluffy bunny at heart. And it's so violent. I just, I'm like, really, do we need to just be randomly killing people off willy-nilly like that? So, I, I have not watched it. Uh, I, at one point, a long, long time ago, tried to read the first book of Game of Thrones. And I just, great big political intrigue books that are about, um, you know, political plots involving murder and all of that. I just... I have to be in the mood for that, and it's a rare thing I'm in the mood for that, so I haven't picked them up. All right. Well, it's time for me to go get my little granddaughter from speech, so I'm going to let you guys go for now. Thanks for indulging me if you've made it this far. <laughs> I just realized that I missed a response. I received a message from Evil Jeff about community and where I talked about that community that I was trying to be a part of on my... Uh, Thursday podcast. If you listen closely, just a couple seconds ago, you can hear my little granddaughter say, who's evil Jeff? Because her grandpa's name is Jeff and she wanted to make sure I wasn't talking about him. There and it's evil Jeff. I'm just catching up on some of your podcasts and listen to your mental health Thursday one. Honestly, you are holding on to something and if you really look at it and decide that you're not being heard, then you need to cut bait and get out of there. Um, it's time to head on to something else. Uh, maybe just look at him, the gentleman from afar, but if you're getting no traction whatsoever, then don't. you need to quit forcing it. That is probably one of the worst things to do, honestly. You might want to think about that for just a bit. Catch you later. Hey, Evil Jeff. I understand what you're saying, but I don't... I don't know. I don't feel like I'm trying to force anything. I think it's more that I'm realizing that while I enjoy the work of that person, there are members of his community that I just do not mesh with. So... I think I can continue to enjoy his work and just not interact with that community of people. I, More than anything, I was just disappointed that that was the case. So anyway, that's where I've landed. Thank you for hanging in there for the length of this episode. I just realized that over on Discord, Cody had said something about loving his Instant Pot. So I shared the fact that I had made Instant Pot butter chicken and... It is from a cookbook called Indian Instant Pot, and we haven't made anything out of that cookbook that wasn't excellent. So, 
Anyway, there's a little bit about cooking, and I will catch up with you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.